0: Lord, I ask you today to please help me, Lord, to bring forth this message in the power of your spirit. I ask that you would prepare your people's hearts to hear your word, and that your word would go forth in such a manner that it would produce fruit in our lives for your glory. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in today's relativistic, intolerantly tolerant society, I meant to say it like that because we say we're tolerant as long as you agree with me. And if you don't, then I'm not going to be very tolerant with you. So we're in an intolerantly tolerant society. There's no absolute truth. There's no right, there's no wrong. If there's no right, there's no wrong. There's no rules. Nothing's right or wrong. And that's the society we live in today. And what that is is a perfect breeding ground for teachers of false doctrine to flourish. They flourish on the Internet. They flourish on the radio. They flourish in bookstores. They're all over, false teachers. Now, uh, the main point today is this, that we as believers, all believers, must be on guard against false teachers be careful now what do i mean by a false teacher well it's not somebody who occasionally misspeaks because i do that a lot not a lot but i do and you know what i have brothers in this church that love me enough to address that i remember one time i was preaching and i said this i said and christ's righteousness is imparted to us and a brother called me later and said it's not imparted it's imputed dan big difference, and I went, I'm sorry, but they caught me on it, right, that's not false teaching, it misspoke, I know what I meant to say, I didn't say it, also, we need to understand that when we're talking about uh, false teachers, we're not talking about people who disagree with us on non-essentials, Paul had just dealt with that in chapter 14, that there's certain things that some people will say it's okay to do, and it's not okay to do, etc., And we're going to have those differences. One of those differences might be when Christ is coming. You might be a a post-millennialist, somebody might be a pre, and if they're preaching opposite of what you believe, oh, they're a false teacher. What we're talking about here is core gospel doctrine where they uh, shift away from what we would say is essential to believe in order to be a Christian. I remember one time I was uh, listening to someone and they were saying that you have this wall of the gospel that's made up of of foundational stones and some of them you can remove without causing the whole gospel to fall down. And he said, and one of them that you can remove is the virgin birth. Oh no, you cannot remove the virgin birth. And they were saying, oh no, it doesn't matter. The virgin birth makes no difference. Yes, it does. Because now, how can Christ be divine? He's got an earthly father? The virgin birth is huge. It's a foundational stone, and you can't remove that and say, well, no, it's okay. Jesus really wasn't born a virgin. Other things that Paul is talking about here is really what he has already laid out in, the, in uh, Romans, that all men are sinners, separated from God. At our core, we're sinners, and we delight in it, and that we're separated from God eternally. And that without Christ, there's no hope. So God, for his glory, sent his son Christ, who was fully God and fully man. There's another one. You can't say he wasn't. He's fully God and fully man, and you can't pull that stone out and say that doesn't matter. That's gospel truth. That's gospel doctrine. And that Christ came and lived an absolutely sinless life in thought word or deed. You can't say, well, mostly kind of he did. No, he was without sin. And then he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he was punished for sins that were not his own. And three days later, he rose from the dead and is now seated on the right hand of the Father. There's gospel truths that are solid that cannot be changed. And it's those types of things that false teachers attack. They, generally speaking, attack the person and the work of Christ. That's where they attack. The person and the work of Christ. Who was Jesus? Well, he wasn't fully God and fully man. Or the work that Christ did. Well, he didn't really atone for people's sins. This is what he did. They will attack who Jesus is. So they'll take doctrine, that is foundational doctrine for us to believe, in order to be saved. And they'll, they'll say, well, that's not really true. And it's not just the doctrine. They'll move into practice of our faith as well. What I mean by that is this, is that they will say that, you know what, um, what the southern people used to call greasy grace, right? It doesn't matter how you live. You're forgiven, right? So feel free to sin because it doesn't matter. You're still saved. Well, what about obedience and holiness? Well, that's not the point. is grace or they go to the other extreme and say legalism if you're really a believer then you have to do this 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 and this because that's what pleases god and this is legalistic you're saved by works focus if you do this if you give to the church if you do that then you are a christian if you do enough good things you're saved and that's contrary to the gospel it's about grace it's not about works take a look at god's word 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So it's not just the doctrine. They'll say, this is how you have to live in order to be accepted by God. What they do is this. Their heart's desire, I don't know if it's their heart's desire, but this is what ends up being their goals is this. They want to turn you as a believer from self-sacrifice to self-service. It's about you. It's about you. They want to turn you from self-denial to self-indulgence. Why should you deprive yourself of that? You're a believer, right? All things are yours. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So, of course, that should be yours. Why would you deny that of yourself? Indulge. The heart there is to turn you into a self-centered person who puts yourself before others who doesn't want to deny yourself of anything. And the reason being is because that's who their master is. Their bellies is what God's word says. Their master is their bellies, their desires. They are tools of Satan not serving Jesus. Take a look at God's word. He moves right into that here. Romans 16, 17 through 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and obstacles. That word obstacles, is the, it means trapstick, And if you guys have ever done any kind of trapping or whatever, it's the thing that triggers the, the uh, noose. That's what he's talking about here. It's the snare. It's the actual trapstick that triggers the noose to get you caught. And that's what that word obstacles means. Contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. That word literally means bellies. They serve their own bellies. And by smooth, that word means good, pleasant, plausible words, and talk, and flattery, literally blessing. That word means blessings. They deceive the hearts of the naive. Through blessings, they deceive the hearts of the naives. Now in Philippians 3, 17 through 19, brothers, Join in imitating me and, keeping, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Same thing he's saying. Same thing. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. Their minds set on earthly things. Its all about here, it's all about now. It's all about me. Second Corinthians 11:14 through 15, Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants who disguise themselves as, as servants of, light, of righteousness. So what we see here is we see their motives are self-centered and self-exalting. It's all about me. They want power, they want fame, they want money. They want sinful, physical gratification. They want to be looked at as, look at him. Isn't he great? And send me your money. You know, I remember uh, I was part of a, uh, uh, when I was a new believer, there were people that would come to the churches and they would be like apostles or prophets. And everybody go, oh, it's an apostle. It's apostle so-and-so. And it's like a, it was people worship, you know. And you go, and they just sucked it up. Loved it. Yeah, that's me, apostle so-and-so, or prophet so-and-so. And And it was so sad. It was just so sad because I thought, well, wait a minute, this doesn't seem to line up with Scripture. We're, We're exalting a man, and they're delighting in that? You know, it's about the finances. It's about money. I remember very clearly, you know, if you send me such and such amount of money, God will return it to you tenfold. Hey, and I'm no idiot. I'm doing the math. I need a down payment on a car. 100 bucks times 10, 1,000 bucks, there it is. You say, well, that's pretty brazen of you to say it like that. But that's what was happening, was that if you do this, then this is what God is going to do. Why? Because you're a child of the king, and God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So, of course that's going to happen. And the more faith you have, that number won't just be ten times. So send me your cash. And we know of people like this. It's about the bottom line, it's dollars. And I hate to say it, but what, what's the deal going on there? It's about their fame, prestige, money, physical... Gratification. How many people fall into just vicious sin in positions of authority? And their method is smooth, flattering speech to deceive hearts. That's how they do it. That's what these words mean. Their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, what happens is this is that they have this pleasant plausible speech that presents itself as a blessing. God will bless you if you if you just do this. It's it sounds great. But they deceive hearts. That's what it says here. What if, what does it mean here in scripture by hearts? It means your mind and your emotions. They know how to manipulate your feelings. You don't want to feel like this forever, do you? How long have you just stood in this place of whatever it is? Don't you want to be set free? Listen, all you got to do is this, and it's done. All you got to do is send me a check or do whatever, and you will never have that struggle again. Do you like that struggle? I don't like that struggle, neither. but you don't have to have that struggle. The whole idea of sacrifice, the whole idea of God putting us in hard situations that we might turn to him is just foreign. But instead it's this, this speech, this, hey, you know what, I'm going to speak to your hearts, I'm going to manipulate your feelings. And they're usually very nice, likable people. They really are. I mean, you sit down and sometimes I go, man, I wish I dressed as sharp as that guy. He's really good at communicating. He's better than, way better than I am. They're good, they, they, they look great. <laughs> They, they communicate incredibly. They just know how to, you know, bring a phrase that just cuts you right to the heart. They're usually nice and they tell you what you want to hear. You'll find that they don't want to talk about sin very much or judgment. How can you even think about that, Dan? Don't you know that the world is hard enough anyway and for you to talk about sin... And for you to talk about judgment, that is not being very kind. People don't need to hear that today. It's hard enough. They just need to hear about the love of God and His grace. And you don't need to talk about this sin and judgment. Brothers and sisters, unless you talk about sin and judgment, you do not understand the depth of God's love and grace. It is not possible. Like I said, that's why they call it greasy grace down south. Brothers and sisters, we need to understand the situation that, are, that we're sinful. That we're facing judgment and that God's grace and his love is there and he provided a way. But what happens is we don't want to have any negative feelings towards anyone. So we're not going to talk about that stuff. Do they ever talk about sin? Do they ever talk about judgment? Or did you just have a bad day? And you know we all have bad days but God loves you and, and he's just going to kind of look the other way and Grandpa Joe up in heaven will take care of it. I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful but when you l- listen to it it almost sounds like that. They often ridicule people who stand on biblical truth. They'll say, oh that guy, he, yeah he's angry all the time. That Dan Kervillian, he's preaching he talks about sin and he talks, he's angry all the time. You know what, I hope you don't feel like that. If you do, please talk to me. You might feel like that after the end of today because I am angry. False teachers get me fired up because I followed some of them for a while. And so, yeah. But what they like to do is they like to say, people who talk about the full gospel, which, can, which includes things that are very uncomfortable for people to hear in today's society, then we say, well, they're unloving. He's unloving. He, he's an angry preacher. Whatever. Whatever. He's just causing division in the body. And what they will do so many times is they will use the Bible and they will use it out of context. Or they will change the meaning of words. That's what they'll do. For example, maybe you've heard this one. Romans chapter 1 where it says, and they exchanged the natural for the unnatural. This is, you have to understand that for somebody who struggles with homosexuality or same-sex attraction, whatever you want to call it, their natural is for the same gender. So it would be wrong for them. It would be unnatural for them to have heterosexual relationships. What? We've heard it. You say, well, that boy, that, you know, and that word here doesn't mean this. It doesn't? That's what it means. That's what it says. Or they shift things within the Bible. For example... John chapter 1, verse 1. Remember that one? The Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Jehovah Witnesses made a slight change to that verse. They took and they put one single letter in there, the letter A, and they took the capital G and made it to lower G. So in the beginning was the Word, and the wor- word was with God, and the word was a God. Just change it. <coughs> you see, that's the deception. We're going to take God's word, and we're going to say it means something it doesn't mean, and we're going to take something in God's word, and we're going to change it, just a little. Well, my Bible doesn't say that. Well, your bi- mine's a new Bible. Yours isn't. They found out through... Uh, all the research, Dead Sea Scrolls, that it was a God, not God. That's the enemy. They take verses out of context. They alter the meanings of words. They add to the Bible. They add to the Bible. You know, well, yeah, you know what? Yes, we follow the Bible. But did you know that there's part two of the Bible? It's called the Book of Mormon. And so we follow that. No. So God God kind of forgot stuff in the first book? God's not all-knowing? Well, of course God only needs one book. But you see, we add this one. And so before you know it, you're spending more time looking at that second book than the Word of God. And that's how it works. That's how the enemy fights. He fights dirty. And his target is rarely pagans, people who are absolute unbelievers. That's not who he goes after. It's usually the naive, as it says here. They deceive the hearts of the naive. Those are unsuspecting. We could also take a look at chapter 14, say the weak Christian. We could say those who are new believers, those who are immature believers. And when I say immature, I do not mean new believers because you can be 30 years in the faith and still be immature in your faith. I hate to say that, but that's just the truth. Those who are fleshly Christians who delight in the world, their hope is in finding their joy in this planet and all the things that go on. That's the target. The people who don't know why they believe what they believe. Well, of course I believe it. Well, why? Well, because Pastor Dan said so. Or because Pastor so-and-so said so. Or because my spouse said so. Well, why do you believe it, Waddle? Because they said so. Why do you believe what you believe today? Why do you believe? Can you point it out? You don't have to know uh, all the addresses, okay? I'm terrible with addresses. But what does God's word say? Can you find it? Why do you believe what you believe? They target those who are naive. And you know what I love? Is that Paul in context here is saying, you're not one of those people that don't know what you believe. You guys are walking in obedience. You guys, your faith is strong. That's what I love about God's word because he's warning people who are doing well. And if you're doing well today, this is a warning for you and for all of us. But he's warning people who are doing well. Take a look at God's word. This is it continues on. Romans 16, 19, 8. For your obedience is known to all. Okay, you're walking solid is what he's saying to the Romans Roman believers. You're walking solid, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise. Be careful. Be careful. These false teachers are are here. Be careful. Be wise. I know you're doing well, but be careful because they're coming. And what's the result of these teachers? Paul even shows us that in this section of Scripture. What happens when these false teachers come into a body of Christ or into the community and then just sow the seed? What happens is is that they disrupt the harmony and unity in the church and cause divisions. And what does that do? What that does is that damages the name of Jesus. Here's how. Because they will know that you are Christians by your love one for another, but instead of love, there's a disunity in a church. And so people say, "Those are Christians." I thought they were supposed to love each other. They don't love each other. Look at them; they're feeding on each other. This Christianity and all it's cracked up to be. Look at it. There's their evidence. You see how that disparages the name of Jesus when an enemy brings division in a church, and he does throw through so through false doctrine is one of the ways. And that's what he, how he fights. He fights dirty. Well, what about our response? So Paul lays out what these false teachers are. He lays out who their master is. He lays out their motives. He lays out their methods. He lays it all down. He says, here's who they're targeting. Here's what they do. This is the results. So now how should you respond to all this? What is our response to these false teachers that Paul said? Here's how you can tell who they are. He says, watch out. Watch out. I want to say this to us is that when he says watch out, he's not saying watch out and hope your elders catch it. Okay, now I'm not going to, one of the responsibilities of the elders of every church or whatever they want to call them, the the, the spiritual leadership, is to watch the doctrine. And we want to watch the doctrine. The elders do watch the doctrine of this church that comes forth from this pulpit and what we teach. And we want to be careful for that. Okay, so that is one of our primary responsibilities. And I don't want to diminish that. But what happens is we default and we say it's their responsibility, not mine. And so what happens, the enemy comes in and deceives someone and they don't even see it coming. And they're saying, well, you know, the elders, the elders are supposed to guard you. Listen, we're all called to be on guard, to be on watch. Every believer, every Christian believer Because the enemy is out to deceive every one of us. That's just the way it is. And so this isn't a call to watch out just for the elders. This is for every believer, every one of us, to watch out. Know why you believe what you believe. Know what the Word says. Watch out. Take a look at God's Word again. Romans 16, 17a. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles then we have 2 Timothy 1:13 follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me i in the, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and in Acts 17:11 now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica He's talking about the Bereans okay they received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 16 watch out Right there, that's it. That's practically how you do it. You receive the word eagerly, then you do what? You take it to the word of God, you examine it, and you find out if it's consistent with the word of God. That's how you watch out, right there. Beautiful, beautiful picture. And the watchman was the one who was on the wall, who was watching out for the enemy. And when he would see that enemy coming, what would happen is he'd alarm the alert the city, and the city would prepare for battle. That's what the watchman did. He would look out so they were ready for battle. And that's what Paul was doing here. A lot of scholars believe that the false teachers hadn't come to Rome yet. So what he was doing is he was telling the believers in Rome, they're coming. Listen, they have been following me the whole time. I go into a city, I preach the gospel, lay the foundation, I leave, they come right behind me, the Judaizers, the others. And they're going to come here, too, to Rome. Because that's their pattern. So I'm telling you to watch out for them because they're coming and they're going to sound really good and they're going to make it seem like a blessing but what they're teaching is is false. It's a lie. You see the alert for us today? He's saying, be careful. You guys are doing good but you better be careful because the enemy's coming. And look for these false teachers to either subtract two or add to the Bible. As I said earlier, it's amazing how they will add a book, will shift this around, will change this, will do these things. Be on the alert. Be aware. Be like those Bereans. Hear what they say. Eagerly study it. And then judge it. Watch out. In other words, in order to watch out, what do you have to do How do you watch out? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 16, he tells us what that looks like. He says, you know what? You need to be experts in good, and you need to not even be beginners in evil. That's how you do it. How do you watch out? By being experts in the good and not even beginners in evil. Take a look at God's word. By the way, this is Romans 16, 19, verse B. I messed that up. But I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent. That word innocent means pure. And it was used of undiluted wine and metal not weakened in any way. That's what the definition there was. As to what is evil. Second 2 Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. In 1 Corinthians 14.20 Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Matthew ten sixteen. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. And I found this quote from J.C. Ryle: Three things there are which men never ought to trifle with. A little poison, a little false doctrine, and a little sin. In context what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 16. That word good, be wise to what is good, what that stands for is sound biblical doctrine, foundational doctrine. Be wise in solid doctrine. People like to say, doctrine doesn't make a difference. You guys are too into doctrine. You know, what you believe affects how you live. I believe God is sovereign over all things. I believe that with all my heart. That's why I walk with very little worry about what's happening in the world around me because I know God is sovereign. My doctrine affects the way I live. Your doctrine affects the way you live, period. You can say it doesn't. That's why doctrine's so important. We need to know why we believe what we believe based on God's word. It affects how we live. And he's saying in order to spot false teachers, be wise in the good. Know the word of God. Know the doctrine you believe in and why you believe it the word evil here in context means the corrupt doctrine of the false teachers that's what it means so in other words we're called to study the word of God to know the truth so we can discern false teaching and so we're not easily fooled let me tell you a situation I ran into years and years ago this was way before this was actually before Crossfire um, I went to a church a friend of mine was a pastor of that church and I went to the church and the preacher was up front And he was preaching, and he said this in his sermon. He said, um, when Jesus was on the cross, he was not fully God. He gave up his deity. He was only man on the cross. And I thought, what? Jesus is fully God and fully man. He always was, always will be. What do you mean? And so what happened was, I went up to him. I, I wanted to assume the best. So I said, listen, I heard you say this. And I told him, I said, did I mishear you? He goes, oh, no, that's true. And I said, really? So Jesus wasn't God while he was on the cross? And he goes, well, no, how could he be? Because he could have just taken himself off. And I thought, well, that's the point, buddy. That's the point. He didn't. So I went to my friend who was the pastor of the church. I said, listen, do you know that this guy preached this in front? And he said, well, yeah, he he must have misspoken. I said, no, because I talked to him after. That's what he believes. And unfortunately, my buddy did nothing about it. You look at that and you go, listen, we need to study God's word. We need to know the truth so we're not easily fooled. And then as I looked at other things he said, I started seeing this line and went, oh, whoa, that's wrong. You know why it was so hard for me to see? Because he was an excellent communicator. He was a smooth talker. He was really good. You see, that's the thing that Paul's warning us against. He's saying there's false doctrine coming. They're going to take the, the the foundational things and shift them and change them. They're going to do it for their own purposes. They're going to deceive the naive. You read about uh, in Revelation where you know unless those times were cut short, many would be deceived. We study the Bible, and I want to say this: be careful about studying evil meaning false religions, false doctrines. I have a young man I'm talking to. He is, uh, he's thought about Buddhism. So uh, what I had to do in the last couple of weeks is I just bri- you know, uh, kind of think through, you know, take a look at the information. I, I forgot what it's all about, so I just kind of briefly look at it. Um, we need to be careful about this. If you have a friend who has a certain religious faith, I get, I understand you studying it because you want to know how to witness to them be careful though because what happens is this we can spend so much time focusing on the evil that we've taken our eyes off of the cross okay that's the answer the cross and when false religions where they find where they make their bread and butter is they attack Jesus work and his person and i want to tell you if you have a f- if you have a friend who is tied up in a false religion and you feel god's calling you to witness to them, then be careful. Be careful. We're called to be innocent of evil. I will give you a hint that I do all the time, is that if I'm going to talk to someone of a specific faith that I don't understand, I will find a book or something of someone who was in that faith who is now a believer. And what they can do is they can pinpoint you exactly to the points where God used in their life to turn their hearts away from that false religion. That's where you focus on, you know? You're talking to someone, and maybe it's a Muslim, and it's you know, Mary chapter 15, and it says Jesus is, was born of a virgin. And you go, wow, Jesus was born of a virgin. It says that in your own Quran. And you, you, what you do is you, you find these keys, and somebody who has already gone through it, so you're not delving into the evil. You're delving into someone who understands their position and knows how to share the gospel with them, and you focus on Christ. So I want to encourage you to be very, very careful. Be innocent of evil. Be innocent of some of this stuff. Be careful how you approach it because that's part, part of what Paul is doing is he's warning us about the wiles of the enemy and how he draws you in to lies. Do not, do not, do not delve into the evil. Be careful with that. Scrutinize teaching to make sure that it measures up to biblical truth. Does it align with God's word? Hebrews chapter 5. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I love you, but I got to say, how are you doing with that? Are you still on milk? Do you know why you believe what you believe? Like I said, you don't have to know chapter and verse, but you better be able to find it in the Word of God and know why. Maybe we need to be rebuked a little here, all of us. Huh? Are we ready for it? Are you a student of the Word of God, not just merely reading it? I had a bunch of guys two weeks ago, loved it. A bunch of young guys caught me after service, and they said this to me, hey, Pastor Dan, those verses in chapter 15, you knew that they were from Old Testament. So, how did you know that? And I said, well, first of all, I'm not that bright. I didn't know it right off. But you see, if you've got a study Bible, there's a center column. It's a cross-reference column. It'll tell you where those verses were from. So they opened up their Bible. Whoa! You see, they were hungry. They were hungry for righteousness. They were hungry to grow in their faith. They wanted to know how to use that tool to grow in their faith so they wouldn't be deceived. They were being like those Bereans. And we all need to be like those Bereans to study God's word. And if you don't know how, talk to to the elders or, or find a book. You know, I've cheated. I cheat all the time in my sermons. I hope you don't, I hope you see this. I try to show you how to do that, like I did here. You notice I said, well, in context, Paul is talking to the Roman believers, and he's saying you're doing well. So you look at the context. And I said, well, here's the meaning of this word. And you start adding it up, and you go, wow, that makes sense. You can do the same thing I do. The things that I show you up here, you can do on your own. You don't need a whole bunch of tools. But you study God's word. You go into it. say, what does it believe? And if you run into questions, you ask people, well, what does this mean? I'm not really sure. So are you still on milk when you should be on meat? Because here's what usually happens. We come to... To Hebrews chapter 5 and we all every time somebody reads it we get convicted every time it seems we go yeah whew, I need to grow up more and so what will we do we ask God to forgive us and then what do we do nothing nothing until the next time we come to Hebrews chapter 5 and we feel bad and we do the same thing okay so repentance is this it's not just acknowledging sin and asking for forgiveness it means we're, we're going to make a change Okay, there's some action behind it. So do something about it. Get into the Word of God. Study it. Be that person who pursues God's Word and the truth in it like the Bereans. What does that say? What does that mean? It's so easy. I know for me it's so easy to get lazy at times. So what are we supposed to do when it comes to these false teachers? What are we supposed to do when we identify one? Well, Scripture's pretty, pretty clear, isn't it? It said, avoid them. In other words, there should be disunity for the sake of unity. Cut bait. Take a look. God's Word. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. He's saying, stop. Does that mean we don't have fellowship with them? We limit fellowship because, you know what, we should still be praying for them, we should still love them, we should still care for them. But there's an effect that, you know what, there's a negative effect on my life. I need to step back, move that friendship back from the inner circle to maybe here. I need to do certain things. I can still love because we're called to love our enemies. But there's a time where we need to step back and they say th- there's an effect to our relationship in this, and that's just the way it is. But we still love them, we still care for them, <coughs> we still pray for them. To spot a false teacher, you need to know what to look for. It's difficult, but it's not impossible. Paul laid it out for us. God did, I should say, through Paul. Watch out. Be wise in what is good. Be innocent in what is evil. Avoid them. And then I love God. I love God because he says, and you know what, you can't do that, Dan, on your own. So guess what? I'm going to fulfill my promise to you And that which I began, I will complete. Here's your your blisters part, Dan. Well, here's the grace part. It's all about God. You don't have to walk, you know, oh no, the big bad wolf is coming. Yes, he is. But guess what? God is going to protect you. God's going to open up your eyes. God is going to finish what he started, so we have to be alert, but trust God that he's going to do the work in us because that's what God's word says. Take a look. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You see, brothers and sisters, ultimately, the God of peace and His grace will protect you from falling prey to false teachers. It's a work of God. Don't walk in fear. God will do that. When you feel that little twinge, trust that maybe that's God. Grace will keep you faithful in doing good and victorious regarding evil. And when the implication in this section of Scripture is that Satan is behind these false teachers. That's the implication here. And you know what? We read the end of the book, and we know how it ends. Satan's doomed. His end is sure. Christ won the victory on the cross. God is winning victories over and over through our lives as we walk in the Spirit, as we share our faith, as we share the gospel, as we love others as Christ would love them. And someday Satan will be thrown in the lake of fire for his final destination, and he will tempt no more. I read the end of the book. We win. That's the way it is. And the victory is ours today in Christ, not in our own strength, not in our own intelligence and studying the Bible or whatever. It's in God. The God of peace and harmony and unity will prevail. And it says here, soon. The God of peace will soon crush Satan. And you go, Soon? That was written 2,000 years ago. It doesn't seem soon to me. All right? Well, it also says in God's word that to God, a 1,000 years is as a day, and a day is as a 1,000 years. So I would say that word soon is really, from God's perspective in particular, probably a better term for me would be sudden. And the God of peace will suddenly crush Satan under your feet because when it happens, it's going to happen. And the clouds are going to part, and Christ's coming through, and it's closing time, boys. And that's coming. Because we read the end of the book. And so brothers and sisters, I want you to see this. When it looks like evil is triumphing, when it looks like false teachers are everywhere, deceiving the body of Christ, deceiving people, we need to know this, that God is faithful. He will hold you strong. He will give you the truth, and the truth will set you free, and you will hear it in your heart. So we don't walk in fear, we walk in faith. And we know that God will show us, and he will protect us, and he will draw us. That's who our God is. So rest in that, rest in him. But be faithful, be faithful in studying the word and knowing why you believe what you believe. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in awe. Lord, each one of us can grow in our maturity. Each one of us, Lord, can hunger and thirst more for righteousness. And so we ask you to do that. Lord, open up your word to us. Help us to study it and not just read it and check it off our list. God, show us how to do that for those who don't know how. And those of us that do, help us to get back maybe into that. Lord, we thank you that your word is so clear. And that what you call us to do, you enable us to do by the power of your spirit. And I thank you that we do not have to walk in fear because you will reveal truth and lies. And false teachers will come to their end just as their master will. So thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and your love. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.